suburban eastern Australia, an environment that has, over time, evolved some extraordinarily unique groups of Homo sapiens. But today, we observe a small tribe akin to a group of meerkats that gather together atop a small mound to watch, question, and discuss the current events of their city, their country, and their world at large. Let's listen keenly and observe this group fondly known as the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Yes, the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Apparently inciting violence and promoting <laughs> conspiracy theories, mm. according to YouTube. We'll get on to that. <laughs> it's episode 378. The Iron Fist Velvet Glove Conspiracy Theorist Podcast. <laughs> I'm Trevor, Chief Conspiratist. With me as always, Scott the Velvet Glove. How are you, Scott? Not too bad, thanks, Trevor. G'day, Joe. G'day, listeners. How are you all? Yeah, we're all good. And Joe the Tech Guy. Evening all. Yes. So, dear listener. Uh, the news in this episode is that just sitting quietly at my computer one morning, actually, it must have been probably the day, I think it was the day after our last episode, I think it was, and got an email from YouTube saying, Hi, Iron Fist and Velvet Glove. Our team has reviewed your content and unfortunately we think it violates our policy on harmful conspiracy theories. We've removed the following content from YouTube. Episode 303 from the 6th of July, 2021. And of course, well, I actually had a transcript of it, so I quickly looked at the transcripts. I'm like, well, of course we haven't incited, we haven't, well, what did it say? We haven't promoted a harmful conspiracy theory. And so I replied by email straight away saying, look, I can't see anything. We're innocent. Would you mind pointing out Whereabouts in the 90-minute episode, you think that we may have violated your policies. And 20 minutes later, I got an email, 20 minutes later, that said, we've reviewed your appeal and we confirm it violates our policy on harmful conspiracy theories. <laughs> <laughs> so we're taking it down and uh, this is your they first... They haven't even had an AI look at that, have they? And this is your first warning. And, and uh, yeah, first warning, nothing really happens. But if you get a second warning, then you can't live stream for a week and then a third warning, you're in trouble and blah, blah, blah. So quite extraordinary that the appeals and review process of YouTube, like clearly somebody's had the shits with us. And based mm. on what happened in the last episode, I've got a sort of a strong suspicion, suspicion about who it could of be. who that might be. And, uh, and there you go. It just seems, dear listener, that you can make a complaint to YouTube about anything and they're not going to care too much and they're not going to really pay much attention and assume guilt, I think, and there you go. So thank goodness it's not important or that important to me. Imagine if this was your livelihood. Imagine if you were actually trying to live off a YouTube channel or something like that and people could, you know, really threaten you in this way. It would be really scary for people in that situation. So... Fortunately, we're not in that situation, but it's still annoying that the review process was so pathetic. With, within 20 minutes, they claim to have considered the appeal yeah. and, and knocked it back. So, so yeah. yeah, I know 
groups in the UK that have been knocked off for doing, I think it was doing a talk about QAnon. And it was, it was about, and you know, the conspiracies and, and educating people about it. Mm. Uh, And they were taken down as a conspiracy and they tried to appeal and it's an automated process. And of course nothing happened. And eventually they had to reach out to somebody they knew at the BBC to get the BBC going, why are you blocking the sceptical group? You know, who, who were asking questions and, and educating people about this conspiracy group. You know, but, but unless you have those contact, contacts, you, you're shit out of luck. Yes, which we don't have the contacts. No. So, we, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we've had one strike. And, and so what I've decided to do is so that this person doesn't trawl through all the previous 300-odd episodes that are on YouTube, is I've put them on private so the Tatreons will still be able to see them, but just the general public won't be able to look through them and try and find something. Because I suspect that's what's happened is we in the episode have talked about, because we talked about a few things on there. One was, let me see, Dark Emu, debunking Dark Emu. One was about lockdowns. And also about Israel. I mean, touchy subjects. <laughs> and undoubtedly we probably said, well, there are nincompoops out there with, a, with, a, with this crazy theory. And I was going to say with lockdowns it, there was Paul on, wasn't there? Yeah, and uh, would have been debunking a crazy theory. So, so there you go, dear listener. That's what's happened to us with YouTube. So uh, I really like having the live stream that we have and the ability of people to comment in the way that you do from YouTube. So in order to protect that aspect of the podcast, I've decided to basically as we record a podcast on YouTube, I'll just make it private for the Patreons and that'll be the way it goes. And you've got to, if you are, if you only follow us on YouTube and you're not following us as a podcast in a podcast app, well, you should start doing that because we might disappear from YouTube at some stage and we will never disappear from the RSS feed for podcasts because that is completely unregulated by any big brother. So there is no way this podcast will ever disappear through censorship of some stupid mega group like YouTube from the podcasting world. We'll always be able to do that. So if you're not subscribed via RSS, do that in case we disappear from YouTube. And if you want to lodge a protest, then watch us on Twitch because that's probably the other option. Probably, uh, Twitch is like a gaming sort of platform typically, but it's a good one in that you can watch the video and you can make comments and, uh, yeah, if you are annoyed by what YouTube has done to our poor little show, then as a means of protesting, head over to Twitch and it'll work just as well, if not better. There you go. Right. Okay, enough of that stuff. In the chat room, hello to Alison and David and Essential Lord Don and Broman as well. So, Yeah, we haven't seen Broman for a while. Yeah, good on you, Broman. So, gentlemen, New South Wales election. Scott, mm-hmm. your thoughts on the result with the Labor coming in probably with a minority government, it seems? What do you think? No. I haven't really watched it, to be honest. Right. They were saying today on the Batuta Advocate that they're going to put John Howard into cryogenic storage until the Queensland election comes up because they only seem to roll him out at election times. Yes. But they're also saying that he's lost his appeal in Sydney, which really wouldn't surprise me. 
then I was also listening to the ABC and they were looking at it a lot more quickly and that type of thing, trying to work out how it's going to look for the government as a whole. And then you've got Peter Credlin out there saying that they've got to move further to the right, which I think to myself, if they do that, that's just going to cut off more and more voters, which is going to give Labor a, a clean run. Mm. That they will, and it will also embolden the Greens. The Greens will actually start to demand more of the Labor Party. They'll actually listen to Bob Brown and that type of thing, and they will actually, they will actually demand more than what the Labor Party is prepared to give, and that will, it really will backfire on the coalition eventually, what? because they will end up, they will end up having far too much green influence over the government when if the coalition would actually negotiate with the Labor government, like this whole, what's it called? The the, the latest climate thing. Mechanism. Safeguard mm. mechanism, exactly. If Dutton had been prepared to negotiate with the Labor Party, then you would never have had anything like what the Greens have managed to achieve, which is not the end of coal or gas or anything else. It's just... One of those things is another step forward to try and keep them under control. Yeah. Whereas if the coalition had have negotiated with them, then they would never have had to go that far. Or, or yeah. does a bi-party system move to being Labor and the Greens and the Liberals and Nationals become a non-entity? Exactly. That's what's going to happen. Now, I think that if the Teals could ever get themselves into one sort of party format or something like that, then you could have a you could end up with the teals being the non-labor side of the of the government, non-labor side of the opposition and that type of thing that they could actually end up taking it to the labor government. I don't know, but I think to myself, what it means to me is that you're going to look like a it looks like the Labour Party is going to govern the country and probably the majority of the states for a quite a few years It yet. looks that way. It looks like the Libs are increasingly irrelevant. And there's a strange argument, <clears throat> which I'll play some clips, Owen Dean and Peter Credlin, where they're basically saying the reason that the Conservatives lost is they were too woke and too left-wing and that they have to return to a more right-wing stance. But it wasn't that voters left the Conservatives and voted for more right-wing parties. These voters left and, and voted for left-wing parties, for Labor. Like, it wasn't mm. as if they went to hard-right parties instead. And, no, exactly. And it's not as Anyone if the... Would... And even if they did, the preferences didn't flow back to the Liberals anyway. It's a, it's a stupid, <laughs> insane argument by these people because the people who left them went to a left-wing voting stance. So how the hell do they think that by, by going more right-wing, they're going to recover those voters? It just doesn't make any sense It doesn't all. make any sense at all. Mm. You know, and the, the, one of the things that I found very interesting this morning on... I can't remember what it's called. I listen to it every morning. It's the... Too Angry Something or Others or something? Was no, it no, 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 no. 7am? No, I listen to 7am, oh. but this one's from the ABC. Right. Anyway, Sam, what's-her-name, is the one that does it. 
And she was saying that that type of thing only works in the United States where you've got a very polarised electorate and you can make some hay out of out of culture war issues. Yeah. You're not going to get that over here. Yeah, it's not working because the boomers are dying off. <laughs> or exactly they're in, a, they're they're in nursing off. homes and they can't make it to a voting booth. And the young millennials exactly. don't want to bar these guys. They don't give guys. a shit. Yeah. So, all right, let's play a few clips just to get a feel so that you don't think we're just making this up, that this is what people in the, the Liberal Party support groups are thinking. Here's a bit of a credlin for you. All right, all the, all the party experts, all the commentators have had their say about the election. Here's some stuff that's been published today in the media from people inside the Liberal Party. There's one they're quoting, I, I will quote here now, we're no longer any different to Labor. In fact, we're more left than Labor compared with, say, the right faction within Labor. Matt Keane is further left than the leader of the Labor Party. Another said the results speak for themselves. The party's lost all its principles. It's gone more woke than the Greens. It's basically just ruined itself. Another said uh, he can't put his hand up for leadership because it is untenable because he's had such a negative impact already. A quick comment from you, Nicole and Nick. Nicole? Well, Peter, I'm just going to have, say a few words about marginal seats. When the swing's on, the swing's on, and there's not much you can do about it. But if you have worked hard every single day for your community in a marginal seat, you've turned up to all the events, you've answered all the emails, then you've got a really good chance of surviving because people do reward hard work. But what we're, but they also reward good policies, Peter. And the fact that we saw the Liberal Party in South Australia lose government after one term, we've just seen... New South Wales, we saw a Victorian opposition not put up much of a fight, shows that late, trying to be left of Labor, trying to be Labor-lite, never works for the Liberal Party. We need to get back to our foundational principles and then we will start winning again. All right, all the, all the party experts, Oops. all the commentators have had this. There we go. So that was from Credlin and... She's a nut. Which one, her or the other? Both of them. <laughs> Both of them were, but Credlin is the biggest nut because she's the one that's actually using her. She's used her position to grab that piece on on Sky News, mm. and she's just making a fucking idiot. Yeah, these people don't believe this, though. Here's uh, here's a bit of Rowan Dean. Oh, he's always if you're talking about nuts, let's go for Rowan Dean. We need to have more leaders like your Tony Abbott's, like your Peter Dutton's, who stand up and say no. <laughs> Just, uh, just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what else did he say? He's, they're onto this, so onto this anti woke business as well. Here's another bit. This me. is the battle that the Liberal Party, they've been putting it off and putting it off. Peter Dutton, stamp your authority now and say, that's it. The woke experiment is over. It has been a disaster across this nation, state and federally, a disaster, okay? Kick the punters out, the, the woke punters, get rid of them, return to being a solid conservative Menzian parties. That's what Australia desperately now needs. There's no more excuses, Rita. This is just the impartial Sky News that we're running through here. It's one of those things. I, I look back on Menzies' history in government and he wasn't as conservative as Tony Abbott was. You know, it's just that I know he was he was he was heading up the the country at a different time, but you know, if you look at government being involved in business and that sort of stuff, well, fuck me, you know, he was into everything. Mm. You know, these guys have just completely lost touch with reality. One final Rowan Dean one because I've got it here. Hang on. 
we don't want Labor. Now we've got Labor. Thanks, Liberals. That's what you gave us. Thanks, Matt Cairn. Thanks, Dominic Paradis. You've given us a Labor government. We don't want one. That's not what the people of New South Wales want. Okay. Well, yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, that's it. That's not what the people of New South Wales wanted. Oh, well, that's what they voted for. for. <laughs> <laughs> They're hysterical over there. Just hysterical. It's and like okay, when Kevin Rudd came into power, I think at that point we also had at some stage all of the mainland states again were all Labor at that point. Yeah, and, that was something that they said this morning on the ABC. Yeah. And so it's not like we haven't been in this position before. But it does feel like it's different this time in that Murdoch is increasingly losing his influence because just that younger millennial generation doesn't watch any of their Murdoch shit or read any of it. So the influence just isn't there. The other thing I'll say is, you know, you still see people talking about, oh, it proves that Murdoch's lost all of his influence. Well, these governments are so bad, they shouldn't have got 10% of the vote, let alone 30 or 35 or whatever they end up getting. Like, it is still a demonstration of Murdoch power that they they weren't completely reduced to one or two Wiped seats. Out. Because mm. when you look at the corruption that has occurred in New South Wales politics, that's where they deserve to be. And there was no pork barrelling going on. Yeah, pork barrel arrow. And the same on the federal scheme that, yeah, people say, well, it demonstrates that that News Corp has no power. They still have some power. It is diminishing. And if there was no Murdoch, surely federally and, say, New South Wales, Liberals wouldn't have more than three or four seats. Maybe he was getting his powers from Jerry Hall. Maybe, yeah. So he's he's got he's up to wife number six or something like that. Did you hear that? Yeah, he's announced his engagement, hasn't he? Mm. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. How old is he? Uh, uh, 90-something. Yeah. Is he that yeah. old, is he? Imagine what the family thought when they heard that one. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Just... One of those things, it's just bloody ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway. Actually, I still have one more just to prove again that this is – so we've had Credlin, we've had Rowan Dean, and this is Chris Kenny now as well. Let me just give you this one just to finish it off so that we're not telling porkies. But the key point here – is what we've seen with Liberal parties now right across this country. This fallacy, I've called it out as Paul Murray has, as Peter Criddle has for so long. You can't chase the Greens and the Teals and the Labor Party to the left, try and replicate their policies. You actually have to have some points of difference. You have to stand for your own values. Sure, and that did. way you can... That younger reporter with him sort of pushed back a little bit, but... I was just wondering whether mm. she was going to... Push back and argue. Yeah, and they were talking about climate change and she was saying, well, really, what can the state government do? She was sort of pushing back a little bit, but, yeah, just they're just stuck in another world, these guys. Yeah, just another world. So hopefully their influence continues to wane and Australia manages to escape the fate of the United States. So we'll see. But, yeah, it's look, it's the destruction of the Liberal Party, isn't it? Um, mm -hmm. increasingly irrelevant, and that's why it's happening. Scott, well, I saw... White, white um, anted by certain brunch-stacking yeah, exactly. factions. There's no recovery for them. They're completely rotten from within. I saw a, a comment, a quote from Barry Cassidy. He used to be formerly ABC, used to run the Insiders program, 
And Scott, his quote was, now that the coalition doesn't govern anywhere on the mainland, time to accept that people care about climate change and they will never flirt with right-wing religious zealots and their awful discriminatory prejudices. 30% dead. Who's that? 30% dead. Yes. But the thing that struck me was Barry Cassidy saying they'll never flirt with right-wing religious zealots. And, Scott, when we met in the secular party all those years Mm. ago, nobody was talking about secularism in Australia and crazy religious takeovers of our politics, except for us. And now somebody as mainstream as Barry Cassidy, Cassidy is saying exactly what we've been saying for years. Religious zealots. So it has become mainstream now to focus on the fact that religious zealots are so involved in our politics. And, and I like what he actually said here in their awful discriminatory prejudices. Yes. You know, that is exactly hit the nail right on the head, Cassidy has. Mm. Yeah, the younger generation won't have a bar of them. So, no. so we'll see how that all pans out. What's the next state election? Is Queensland the next one? I've got a feeling. Uh, apparently be. it is, yeah. Next yeah. year. It's 2025, isn't it? I thought they said somebody said 24. Mm. Okay, 2024. So, see how that one goes. All right. Also, Sydney Mirror, Morning Herald, in their editorial, came out with this is what they said in the lead up to the election. In the five decades since 1973, the Herald has endorsed coalition 10 times and Labor once. It did not support either party on three occasions. We will hold whoever wins on Saturday to account. A fourth coalition term is a big ask, but Perrottet has proven himself to be a Premier with promise. He has exhibited more political bravery than Minns on the key economic and social issues, including Pokey's reform and the Herald basically supported him. So... Sydney Morning Herald, Sydney's paper, came out prior to the election saying, you guys should vote Liberals. Who, who owns the Morning Herald? Yes, Nine Fairfax, controlled by Costello. Who was a? Liberal Party treasurer. Liberal Party treasurer. Exactly. And, and still in charge of the Future Fund as well, I believe. Really? Yeah, that's okay. right. And there's all sorts of talk about from Michael West Media about the future fund and what it's investing in. So that's, yeah, the demise of what used to be a bit of a counter to the Murdoch press but no longer is. And so they'll be looking for a new leader of the Liberal Party in New South Wales. According to Michael West Media, a lady called Tanya Davies has put her hand up and she's described... Surely it's going to be Lyle Shelton. Yes, he's not in the Liberal Party, is he? So she's time. described as a Conservative MP who's thrown her hat in the ring. She's held several portfolios in the Berejiklian government. She's going to run and she said the election results sent a clear message that the Liberals need to stand up for families and businesses and govern <laughs> with compassion. I don't think that's the message. Anyway, maybe the message was don't be so crooked and corrupt. But anyway, just a little bit about Ms Davies. This is the calibre of the leadership contenders so far. Ms Davies caught COVID-19 after speaking at a rally against vaccine mandates outside Parliament, (laughs) saying restrictions kept teachers, nurses and police officers out of work. So 
that's not a good sign for the Liberal Party in New South Wales if they want to make themselves relevant. But it's absolutely no surprise, is it? It's just... it's. It's just that they are, they are listening to Peter Credlin yep. and it is a one-way trip to suicide town. Right. Yep. You know, it, it is absolutely fucking ridiculous that they would actually even give her any any sort of... They would even listen to them. Mm. You know, and, and st- the other thing that I found absolutely crazy, you had Barnaby Joyce on there mm-hmm. who was saying God knows what, but, you know... He was the star of the whole teal thing, where they said, "Oh yeah, you, you vote for you vote for Josh, but you're voting, but you'll get you'll get Barnaby." Right. You know, it's it was absolutely ridiculous that he even then refused to take any any sort of any sort of criticism of himself. And he said, "You know, well, the the Liberal Party seats that's their problem, not mine." And I thought to myself, "You bastard." Mm. John in the chat room says Barry, referring to Barry Cassidy, has had those kinds of opinions for a while. He used to be an advisor for Bob Hawke in the 80s. And John also says Rupert is marrying his nurse carers now. What else have we got here? She was also a police chaplain, apparently. <laughs> I think she was a chaplain of some sort, that's right. Roman says someone get Rowan a hanky, he's frothing. Yes. <laughs> uh, John is actually multitasking. He's watching us and the Socceroos at the same time. So, um, oh, I think that's blasphemy. Yes, that's it. So, yes, and Bromman says they don't get that most people are centrist rather than right or left. They have no idea, Bromman, do they? They are just in a completely different reality. So, crazy. So, yeah, that's, that's what's going on there. Scott, any desire on your part to go to Uganda? No, but even less so and so when I watched that Twitter video. Yes. I thought I had it here in the list, but it doesn't look like I do. Basically, the Ugandan parliament passed a law making it illegal, illegal to be people to come out illegal. as gay. And the parliament was singing and dancing as they were passing the resolution. Pretty mm. scary stuff. It is. It's one of those things. It's just that... Yeah. It's one of those things we've had to we've had to put up with this sort of crap for years. But you think you would have thought that we would have moved on from it by now, mm. but clearly we haven't. And then the United States, they would do it too if they could get away with it. Mm. Well, certainly in the southern states, they wouldn't. Mm. Speaking of the United States, mm. everyone is familiar with the statue of David, um, mm-hmm. crafted by Michelangelo, like one of the most famous and most beautiful statues in the world. Quite large, isn't it, Scott? It's, it's huge. It's 17 feet high. 17 foot like nude marble sculpture from 1504. Mm. The detail in it is incredible. The composition, amazing. Just an, an amazing piece of art. And Oh, it is. Yeah, for sure. But the board of the Tallahassee Classical School pressured Principal Hope Carasquilia to resign last week after an image of the David statue was shown to sixth grade art class. And the school has a policy of requiring parents to be notified in advance about controversial topics being taught. (laughs) So the David was controversial. That's right. That's the level of conservatism that has been reached. I was listening to the Skeptocrats this morning and they were saying that the Simpsons has has been shown again to be predictive. Because they did exactly this years oh, ago, did they? where they had on the David yeah, statue, had, right? 
Yeah, they had a they had a thing of the, the David statue was doing a tour of the United States, mm. and they had some church group and all that sort of stuff that was out there campaigning against it because he was naked, mm-hmm. and they were saying that they were saying that we've got to get Marge on board, and they came around to see Marge, and she she had just protested and got a, a thing of itchy and scratchy banned, right. and so they they got her on got her got around to her place, and she said, no, I think kids should see this piece of art. And they said, "Oh, told you she was. I told you she was soft on full frontal nudity." Right. Yeah. Anyway, it was just very amusing that yeah. it's exactly. It has now transpired in exactly the same way mm. as it was predicted for in The Simpsons. Anyway, mm. Australia seems to be escaping that. Yes, exactly. We seem to be escaping for the time mm. being. Yeah. Well. I just don't think that the the Liberal Party's lurch to the right is not going to it's not going to bear any fruit. Mm. We just haven't we'll got just that conservative crazy base that No, we don't. We do not have that sort of conservative crazy base. Mm. Just not the numbers that there are in America. So we seem mm-hmm. to have escaped it, thankfully. Mm. Exactly. Mm. So speaking of the crazy Americans, so Lauren Bobear? Um, Bobert. Bobert, is it? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. What is she in? Is she a congresswoman, I think? I yeah, believe I think so. she's a congresswoman in the United yeah. States for the Republican Party and she's an absolute nut. Yeah. So she was reading a Bible verse and she got a little bit confused. So we'll just play what happened there. And then all hell broke loose. Rampant, evil, grabbing and grasping, vicious, backstabbing. They made life Hell on earth with their envy, wonton killing. I don't know what a wonton killing is. I'm going to have to look that one up. Chinese food. That's it. But it sounds interesting, and I don't think I want to be a part of it. Wonton killing. (laughs) Yes. You go to a Chinese restaurant and you have your wonton soup. You don't like it. Throw it on the floor. Bit of wonton killing. That's it. (laughs) She's an idiot. Come on. That's unfair to an idiot. Sorry? So that's unfair to idiots. Yeah, I suppose. Ah. Thoughts and prayers for all the poor dead wontons. Mm. (laughs) You heard, of course, about the, I can't remember what state it was, is trying to ban pornography in school books in libraries. And so Mm. there is a groundswell opposition that is trying to find salacious passages in the Bible and the Book of Mormon. Yes. They're trying to get them both banned. Well, it's so, just to, yeah. to highlight the hypocrisy. Yes, um, I mean, uh, didn't Lot lie with his daughters or something? Yeah, so that them, his daughters got so, him drunk. Yes. So that he would impregnate them. Yes. Oh, Christ, it's bloody sick, yeah, All that it? sort of crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, of course, the Song of Solomon, which is all <laughs> about sex. I mean, the whole book is about sex. And then Ezekiel. There she lusted after her lovers whose genitals were the size of donkeys and whose emissions were like those of horses. That's right, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there are some brilliant lines in the, the Bible. Yes. Yeah. Roman, it's good to have you back. Roman's comment is uh, she's got one of those corkscrew hairdos, matches what's going on in her brain. That's good. Thank you, Bronwyn. The voice. Gentlemen, we've got... We've missed you, Bronwyn. John Farnham? Yes. Just never goes away like John Farnham. So the wording has come out. For the voice, and well, at this stage, the wording that's proposed will be, I think, at section 129. 
In recognition of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the first peoples of Australia, one, there shall be a body to be called the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Voice, two, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Voice may make representation to the Parliament and the Executive Government of the Commonwealth on matters relating to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, and three, the Parliament shall, subject to the Constitution, have power to make laws with respect to matters relating to to the Aboriginal, its composition, functions, powers and procedures. So that at this stage is the likely wording for the referendum. And, well, the whole idea of a constitution is that you talk about things in fairly broad brush strokes and then it's up to the parliament then to fill in the details. So, for example... Constitution gives the Commonwealth power with respect to defence. It's entirely up to the com to the, the Parliament as to what bills they pass regarding submarines and all sorts of other shit. Uh, oh, I and, wasn't going to say submarines. Oh. They could devolve Sorry, it Scott. off to the states, couldn't they? Yeah. So there's so you know in principle the idea that uh, you don't put a lot of detail in makes sense because that's for subsequent legislation. You're just sort of creating a power and then you're leaving it up to the government to do it afterwards. So, you know, one of my major objections was where they're talking about that the makeup of the voice was going to be exclusively Indigenous and obviously that detail isn't there. So I'm not going to go into the whole voice story at this stage particularly because I really want to incorporate some of the stuff I've got from Keenan Malik from his book, It's Not So Black and White, which has got some things that I want to refer to in there, and it's a tricky topic. I don't want to be accused of inciting violence or conspiracy <laughs> theories or and get a second go again. For those of you who come in late in the chat room, we got an official warning from YouTube for inciting violence. So, yeah. So, look... At this stage, the sort of debate at the moment in the last week has been that people who have concerns about it are saying, well, in fact, Mark Trafus, the Attorney General, apparently wanted to put extra wording into it along the lines that the Parliament would have the power regarding the legal effect of its representations and basically the whole talk is about, well, what happens if, say, for example, people say the voice wasn't consulted or wasn't listened to? Does that mean that laws that are subsequently passed are going to be invalid? And some people have argued, well, we should have a power in there so that we can make it very clear as to the status of laws in that situation. And... Mark Dreyfus asked for some wording which didn't get into this final version and some people are going, aha, that means it's defective. So this will be one of the arguments that will possibly occur down the track because people against The Voice will say, well, the Attorney-General himself wanted some wording in this that did not appear, so that should cause you concern. And that would be an, an argument with, you know, with some legs in it. So that's where we're up to with The Voice. Not about to do a big <laughs> deep dive on that at this stage, but... 
don't think you up to the date. wording though is the wording is so vague, and that's sort of the thing that the government could just ignore everything the voice actually says to them. I think they could, but people wanted yeah. wording in there to make it clear the government could, if they wanted to, ignore it. Yeah, I know. Which the is, fact that they um, haven't put that wording in there. Means... It depends on the law that's passed. Mm. So the constitution just says the voice exists and can advise parliament. And yes. the law could say you must listen to the voice or you can ignore the voice. There's certain lawyers, I mean, Anne Tomey on one hand, for example, constitutional lawyer says nothing to worry about, it's all fine, they've got a general power which is good enough. Meanwhile, there are other lawyers who are saying, no, 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 this is a dangerous thing, you need to have specific wording in here. Ian Callanan, High Court Judge. Then a couple of ones who are less reliable, Frank Brennan and also another lawyer who is prominent in the Australian Catholic University. So as Albanese himself said, you can get 100 lawyers in a room and get 50 of them to advocate one way and 50 another and, and not be surprised that that's what happens. So, so yeah. That will be one of the talking points when we get into the in the shit fight that will be the voice as it comes up. So it's not going to be a pretty debate at all. Mm. So okay. So that was that was that little up to date on the voice. This is probably going to be a quicker episode, dear listener. I reckon this week because you're not talking about submarines. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and a lot has happened. So there was a meeting, dear listener. Xi Jinping was in Russia. Do you guys see any footage of that? I saw some footage that showed just how short Vladimir Putin was. Right. So he was Piglet, was he? Couldn't tell you. He was Piglet. The other guy was... Uh, Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh, yeah, yeah. A very, very friendly meeting between the two of them and really heralding a close relationship between Russia and China. And as they were giving their parting farewells, Xi said to Putin, right now there are changes, the likes of which we haven't seen for a 100 years, and we are the ones driving these changes together. So one of those things, dear listener, amongst many, is just currency. And you've got, well, for a start, Around the world, in terms of sympathy for Russia and the Ukraine, if you look at Africa and a lot of Latin America and non-Western countries, there's still a lot of support for Russia in what's happening there. So there's enormous support for China because of the Belt and Road initiative that they've been doing, we've talked about previously. And these guys are now getting together with powerful groups like the Saudis and Iran and the Turks, and agreeing now... Well, agreement's been made, actually, about dealing in oil in Chinese currency. And that's a really big thing because we've talked about it before and that, you know, when the gold standard fell over, essentially America said to the Saudis... <coughs> You can still, we're going to protect you and you can sell your oil, but you must be paid in US dollars. And that's what supported the US dollar 
as a default currency, even though it was no longer worth a certain number of ounces of gold. It meant that it was worth a certain number of barrels of oil. And that gave legitimacy to the US dollar. And now that people and the Saudis are now trading oil in other currencies, they're now deciding to say, if you America, we are now going to start selling it in other currencies, means that people no longer need US currency to buy oil and the demand for US currency is going to decrease. And if you don't need, people aren't buying things from America. America doesn't generate things that people need. Don't need US dollars, don't need US treasury bonds. It's going to put enormous pressure on the hegemony of the US dollar. Really, really big event that's happened in the last few months. And China, Russia are fully aware of that. Saudis are on board, Iran's on board, Brazil's on board, South Africa's on board, India coming on board, Turkey coming on board. These people can deal without America. They can run economies. Sanctions by America is not such a concern to them. It's like with Russia, like all the sanctions in the world, mm-hmm. their GDP is going great guns. They're going fine. They've, they're self-sufficient. And particularly because the way that the US confiscated the, the, the money of Venezuela and Russia and other states when it got pissed off with them has meant that these other countries are going, shit, it's actually dangerous to hold US Treasury bonds. It's certainly dangerous to hold gold in, the, in, a, in America. Germany and other countries started physically shipping their gold out of America when Venezuela's gold was confiscated. So it's a whole lot of distrust of America. A real multipolar world is coming about. What's happened in the last sort of few months, really, really important. And, um, and given, in the, given the election of Trump... Mm. Uh, you might think, you know, with the best will in the world, what happens if he gets in a second term or a different nutter gets in? You could be the best friend to the current administration mm-hmm. and somehow piss off an idiot who's in there. Correct. There's no way Trump was going to help find himself held by any previous agreements. No. Like AUKUS. It was just whatever suited America at the time. He was just more open about it than these other guys. And as James in the chat room says, you know, taking all that into account and we have just tied ourselves to the US for the next 40 years, the declining power, just crazy. I yeah, won't well, mention the China w- word. China wouldn't sell us submarines for some reason. Yes. I'm not allowed to say that. We can't. I'm not going to oh, talk sorry. about them. Yep. Even, even though Japan did some in really interesting things just recently, I'm not going to talk about it. But, you know, America still considers itself the leader of the free world. And this was a spokesperson in just one press conference at the White House, just trying to convince people that America is still the leader of the free world. U.S. leadership around the world, U.S. leadership around the world. Uh, America's increasing leadership around the world. U.S. leadership around the world is of American leadership. The power of American convening leadership American leadership around the world. Hmm. American leadership around the world. You say it enough times and people might believe it. (laughs) That's it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, so just back. uh, It was the 9th of December 
last year, according to this article I read. Today in Riyadh, at the China-Arab summit, President Xi of China formally invited the Arab nations to trade oil and gas in Yuan on the Shanghai Exchange. Now, the way diplomacy works, because it seems to have been forgotten in the West, is that Xi would not have made the invitation unless all the Arab states gathered in Riyadh, particularly Saudi America, Saudi Arabia as host, had already agreed as a matter of joint policy to take action accordingly. Oil and gas will price in Shanghai in Yuan, breaking the dollar monopoly that the US has imposed and enforced since 1974. Really important development there in world affairs that you won't hear about in too many places. Look, it is going to be a short episode. Just a couple of things that I've had on China-type stuff. If you don't believe me about China and how well it's going, <laughs> compared to America at least, here is the CEO of Apple. There's a confusion about China. That, and let me at least give you my opinion. The, the popular conception is that companies come to China because of low labor cost. I'm not sure what part of China they go to, but the truth is China stopped being the low labor cost country many years ago. And th that is not the reason to come to China from a supply point of view. The reason is because of the skill and the, the quantity of skill in one location and the type of skill it is. Like the products we do require really advanced tooling and the, the precision that you have to have in tooling and working with the materials that we do are state of the art. And the tooling skill is very deep here. You know, in, in the US you could have a meeting of tooling engineers and I'm not sure we could fill the room. In China, you could fill multiple football fields. It's that vocational, vocational expertise is very deep, very, very deep here. And I, I give the, the education system a lot of credit for continuing to push on that even when others were de-emphasizing vocational. Now I think many countries in the world have woke up and said, you know, this is a key thing and we've got to correct that. But China called that right from the beginning. There you go. That is the CEO. That is the CEO of Apple. So I think he I, knows what he's talking about. I, I did see a documentary that was talking about Shenzhen, the startups there, and they're saying startups, it, it's the place in the world you can walk down the street and there's a fab shop. So you, a, what, you, a what shop? A fabrication shop. Okay. So, right. so you can go, all right, I've made this beautiful new design, hand it over and you'll get a finished product, mm. yeah, a, a, a concept model, you know, that, that day or the next. Mm. They're saying just the, the speed of turnaround, you can get things built so, so quickly. But the problem is the intellectual property. So you build yourself a beautiful concept, whatever, and you'll find that the company that has printed it, created it for you, has gone off and made their own copy uh, mm. and theirs is out in the shops before yours is. Yep. <laughs> yep. But you know what? That also happens that also happens in the West. Like Amazon allows people to sell products in Amazon Marketplace. 
right? And, you know, the company I work with, there's, there's no way that they would start selling stuff through Amazon Marketplace because Amazon just looks at what the independent sellers are selling on their platform mm-hmm. and they go, oh, shit, that's selling well. And they just go to China and make a knockoff copy of it, whatever it is, whatever knickknack or whatever, and make a copy and, and start selling it as an Amazon product, no-name Amazon brand all the time. And they just get to see the data of how much it's selling and what it's selling for. And, yeah, there's no way you would put your business on that platform because Amazon will copy you as well. Ooh. So it happens everywhere in business. People uh, yeah, copy stuff. I, I as a famous tech journalist, I can't remember his name now, who was talking about Amazon and how they've... People talk about monopolies at the creative end, the the creation of things, but saying that you can also create a monopoly at the middleman Mm. where you are the choke point for businesses and also consumers and that the businesses have to come to you to get to the consumers. And effectively, they then enter exclusive agreements that they can't sell cheaper elsewhere. So effectively, everything is then forced up by the Amazon margin and what ends up happening is consumers pay more for the same product. Yep. Yep. So, it, you know, there's all these problems happen in the West in just different ways as well. Have you guys, do you ever use t- TikTok or look at TikTok at all? I've got it, but I don't look at it. My, my daughter basis. spends several hours a day, I think. Exactly. So we're just old fogies. Yeah, we are out of touch. We but, still got all Facebook accounts, right. don't we? Yeah. There you go. But obviously TikTok is what's booming at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard something short there. video clips. Which but is why people... Instagram reels mm-hmm. and Facebook something and then YouTube shorts. They're yes. all trying to copy it. And the idea is that you scroll from one ten second video onto the next ten second video. Yeah, but even things like, say you were going to be holidaying at Byron Bay next week and you wanted a, a restaurant to go to, people mm-hmm. will be searching on TikTok for what restaurant should I go to in Byron Bay, for example. It's being used in that sort of search way as well. Have you heard that? Mm, I haven't heard of that. No. Right. So so anyway, TikTok is killing it in terms of social media. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely killing it. And, of course, what do the Americans want to do? Shut it down. Yes, because of the evil Chinese Mm -hmm. and their control of the data. So here is the TikTok CEO basically explaining that American data is going to be on American servers and independent third-party American companies are going to be able to verify and look through the innards of TikTok to make sure that what they're saying is happening is actually happening with the data. So have a listen to this guy. Now, there's still some work to do. We have legacy US data sitting in our servers in Virginia and in Singapore. We're deleting those, and we expect that to be complete this year. When that is done, all protected US data will be under the protection of US law and under the control of the US-led security team. This eliminates the concern that some of you have shared with me that TikTok user data can be subject to Chinese law. This goes further, by the way, than what any other company in our industry have done. 
We will also provide unprecedented transparency and security for the source code for the TikTok app and recommendation engine. Third-party validators like Oracle and others will review and validate. There we go. It's the TikTok going. Telling it how it is. Shane in the chat. Shane in the chat room says. Saying that he was Singaporean and not Chinese anyway. Yeah, yes. exactly. He's Singaporean, yes. not Chinese, and that was something that also was all sceptocrat this morning. Mm. You know. Singaporean, well-spoken guy. Shay in the chat room says, yes, I love it. I've learned how to style outfits, curl my hair, not to mention makeup tips. There we go, Shay. Thanks, Shay. There is useful stuff as far as I understand, but the problem is, as usual with social media, it's it's mining those nuggets of gold from the shit. That's right. Yes. I mean... It's like finding this podcast in amongst yeah. all the shit of other podcasts and things that are out there. You know, people just can't find us. That's the problem. <laughs> of course, you know, our relationship with China deteriorated when China said, yeah, I'm not going to, well, actually put all these high tariffs on your wine to make it basically uneconomical to bring it into China anymore. And people today consider that to be a threat by China against Australia of almost military-type standing. Meanwhile, from the Australian Financial Review, a story that the British government, British government, has slapped a surprise 10% tax increase on wine, which experts say will deliver a particularly harsh blow to price-sensitive Australian exports. The move comes on top of earlier tax change, which kicks in in August, that will levy wine duty by alcohol content, again hitting Australian wines harder than those of most other countries. The double whammy will combine into a 20% tax hit that will more than wipe out any benefit from the Australia-UK free trade agreement. So... I think the the taxing wine by alcohol volume has been a health thing that's been pushed for a while. Hmm. According to this article, though, it's going to affect Australia more than other countries somehow. Do we have Australian more booze in our wine, do we? It sounds like it. Yeah. What's that? It, the the booze wine may wine. be more alcoholic. Maybe. Anyway, that was the story from there. And oh, look, I got into – I didn't get into the argument into the weeds on Twitter because I refused to, but I basically – In our last episode, we talked about how Paul Keating in his his speech and his Q&A at the press club when referring to the Uyghurs said, look, there are disputes about exactly what's going on with the Uyghurs. And this person on Twitter said, well, it's not in dispute. You know, it's clearly human rights violation. And I found a few things and said, looks like a dispute to me. Have you guys ever looked into the Uyghur situation and... No, the evidence behind it and all that. I don't know no. that I want to. <clears throat> Send us a note if you think it's a good idea to go into the weeds of that because you just will never know where the truth lies in that one. But there is stuff where allegations are made, but then the people making the allegations change their story from when they were originally sort of out of China to more recent times. So it's quite tricky to find the the truth in that matter where it, Propaganda and truth starts and finishes. I'm, I'm sure the Epoch really Times hard. has a all the truth. <laughs> yes, the New York Times would be very confident. No, not about New it. York. Epoch oh, Times. Like Epoch Times. What's Epoch Times? That's run by Falun Gong, isn't it? Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. 
So, yeah, Caitlin Johnston in her blog said, if you think it's a coincidence that the Western world suddenly got super-duper interested in China's human rights records right when China began threatening US planetary domination, then you're a boot-looking moron who deserves to be shamed in public. (laughs) A leaked 2017 State Department memo explicitly acknowledged that its US government policy to ignore the human rights violations of US allied nations while attacking them in nations like China, Russia, North Korea and Iran. Well, Saudi Arabia is a classic example of that. I wonder now if they're selling their oil in non-US dollars, whether that's going to change. Spot on, Joe. And Caitlin Johnson has predicted and she has said exactly that. Now that the Saudis are selling oil in Chinese currency, just watch and look for a sudden interest in Saudi human rights violations. Right. Um, It's exactly what she said. Very good, Joe. Ah, there we go. You know, that's about all that we can get into on what is a relatively shorter episode. But it's like you said, when the adults were in charge, that we would have less to talk about. Yes, there's less of just the crazy stuff from the... Well, I I think maybe we should talk about the secret Nazi base on the moon, on the dark side of the moon. Yes. Because <laughs> apparently we, we don't have enough conspiracy theories and yeah. we've been pro- promising conspiracy theories. That's right. John in the chat room says, stay clear, Trevor. It's a low info hole. I think you're right there. So, um, hmm. all right. Okay. Thanks for the people in the chat room for your comments. As I said before, if you're only following or you were only following us on YouTube then you need to start subscribing on the podcast in case we ever get permanently kicked off there. If you're <laughs> pissed with YouTube for what they did, then start an account on Twitch and follow us there. You can do exactly the same as you're doing on YouTube. And there, there are some, I was going to say, there's some anti-spam because Twitch seems to be possibly one of the worst places for getting spam. Uh, you do need to have an account and you need to have an email address and phone number, I think, before it will let you chat. Right. Okay. So you do need to sign up if you want to be able to talk to us on there just yep. to stop the randoms turning up. Right. So, uh, so that's your choice. What Lee says, why did the episode get slated? Well, just briefly for those who weren't there at the beginning is they basically accused that there was a, a complaint that we had... Promoted violence. Right up. Promoted violence slash conspiracy theory. Actually, this is the, let me just go right back to this because this is, this is the thing. The very first complaint said, the team has reviewed your content and unfortunately we think it violates our, quote, policy on harmful conspiracy theories. And then they offered me the chance to appeal and I said, well, we haven't promoted a harmful conspiracy theory. What section are you talking about and 20 minutes later they said reviewed your appeal and your appeal is unsuccessful and they said then we confirm it violates our policy on harmful conspiracy theories so there was another section there oh and in the first one it said how your content violated the policy content that glorifies or incites acts of violence isn't allowed on youtube so somehow we, we promoted a conspiracy theory and simultaneously glorified or incited acts of violence in an episode that had all sorts of topics 
but basically included debunking dark emu conversation about lockdowns. I, and I think I about think Israel. It, I think it was us talking about not banning certain things, certain certain symbols, right, and the freedom to express your bigotry so that other people don't uh, can can choose not to interact with you. Yeah. Well, your challenge, dear listener, the homework is listen to episode 303, which you can still get in your podcast app, and tell us the part where we promoted a harmful conspiracy theory rather than debunked it and that we actually incited violence rather than suggested violence was a bad idea. If you can do that, I'd be keen to hear. So, well, the, the only thing is... Uh, unless one of us made a sarcastic comment, i.e. me, and it was taken literally. <laughs> it's the <laughs> only thing I can think of. Yeah. Anyway, that's why the uh, YouTube, I'll basically, this this live stream now will end up as a private one and, yeah, and we'll just keep marching onwards and upwards, bruised and battered as we are, <laughs> to episode 379 next week. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Bye for now. Yeah, that's a good night from me. And it's a good night from him. <laughs>